All right, humor me here. Right now, all is right in the world because the Reds beat the stupid Cardinals in extra innings last night at Great American Ballpark. And we're celebrating that on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. Woo! You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on Reds and welcome in. My name is Jeff Carr and he is Stephen Offenbaker and we are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds baseball with you. We encourage you, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter or check us out here on YouTube and drop a thought in our comment section because talking Reds is what we do and we want to talk Reds with you. Lockdown Reds is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. And if you listen every day, let us know down in that comment section that you're an everydayer and let us know how long you've been a Reds fan and let us know how long you've hated the Cardinals because we've been hating them for a long time. And boy, it was nice to get that win. We're going to break down this win by looking at how the bats Woke up a little bit. Maybe we're seeing a little bit of, uh, you know, resurrection from where they were over the last week. It seemed like they kind of disappeared, but on Monday they we're back. Plus, we're going to look at another pitching performance that looks a lot like all of the pitching performances we've been seeing recently. What's up with Brandon Williamson? His second start didn't quite go as well as his first start, but we have some thoughts on that. And Graham Ashcraft goes today against the Cardinals after some struggles. How, uh, what, what's been the biggest reason for his struggles? I'm going to tell you one big reason why later on in today's show. Before we get to all that, though, I want to let you know, download the Game Time app today. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase because when it comes to Game Time, you can get last-minute tickets at the lowest price, guaranteed. And Steve, we are guaranteed to start with this lineup because this was a phenomenal performance. The top of the lineup was all about it. Yesterday, we had a couple of multi-hit games and Nicky ball game, baby. I mean, he continues his resurgence, insurgence, the force awakens. I don't know what happened with Nixon Zell, but he's looking good right now. Listen, one through five in last night's game was absolutely great. Jonathan India at the top of the lineup continues to be a threat. You know, he's hovering around 300 uh, after today's game. He's hitting 287. You know, he's living right there at almost a 300 batting average. Uh, and we're now almost two full months into the season. That's amazing. Two for five last night, followed up by Matt McClain, who people were starting to doubt a little bit. Like, oh, Matt McClain's getting cold. Oh, they called him up and yeah, he had a good debut, but what's he done for me lately? Well, lately he got two hits, an RBI and scored not one, but two runs in that game last night against the Cardinals. And then coming up behind those two guys, Jeff, and here's where I'm excited was Spencer Steer, who continues to look like he's getting back into that form he was in before that knee injury. You know, we were worried a little bit, and I think you nailed this when you said that you thought that knee was still bothering him when he came back, and I think you were absolutely right because he looks healthy, he looks comfortable, and he's hitting the ball very well. And he's, you know, this lineup, those top three guys, they're very, very exciting. Yeah, and it was cool because Steer was asked post-game about – what it's like hitting behind Jonathan India and Matt McClain and the way that they were just 
such catalysts, especially on Monday night against the Cardinals, and he had an interesting thought to that. It's fun to watch it. And I mean, every at bat they're grinding it out. That one bat at bat by Maddie ended up in a strikeout, but I think he saw at least ten pitches. So, you know, it, it, for me, it's just more pitches I get to see too. And um, yeah, those guys, those guys are unbelievable hitters, and just fun to watch hit. And um, I know they're going to continue to do that. The negative person is going to look at Matt McClain's night and say, well, he still struck out twice. Yeah, but that one strikeout that Spencer Steer was talking about, he saw thirteen pitches from Ryan Helsley. Basically what he did was just unpack everything that Ryan Helsley can do. He, and he said, everybody make sure you're watching because now there is no secrets right now. You're going to be coming up to the batter's box, knowing exactly what to expect. And really, I think in the long run that helped what the Reds were able to do in that late game scenario. But he just, he continues to look like a professional hitter. He's still in his first week of his professional career. So the fact that he's able to grind out these at bats is just phenomenal. And then, I mean, India, you, you already mentioned it just absolutely phenomenal right now. If it weren't up to fan votes, I'd say that he'd be in the running for the all-star game. I worry about how the fans that aren't in the five, one, three area code are going to help him with those votes, but he absolutely deserves any sort of all-star accolades that should be coming his way. You know, and there's a lot of good information in what Spencer Steer had to say, Jeff. Obviously, Spencer Steer had that two-run homer on the night. But coming up behind him is Tyler Stevenson. Now, Tyler Stevenson, you look at his line, he was one for three. But look a little deeper. He also had three walks. Tyler Stevenson was on base four times in the game last night. Ball. And I think what Spencer Steer said about being able to see all of those extra pitches in front of him really benefited Tyler Stevenson last night because he was able to see everything that the pitchers had before he ever set foot in the batter box and I think he capitalized on that and then of course you mentioned my guy Nick Senzel who just goes out and has another multi-hit game two for four with an RBI listen one through five is really exciting if that's one through five every day for the rest of the season I can live with that I I think he and it's it's fun to watch the clip and if you haven't checked out any of the clips or the highlights of what happened there as Nick Senzel hits the walk-off sacrifice fly steer was on third for that for that play, but I mean, it was, it was a foregone conclusion. He put it in the perfect spot to get the game winning run home. No arm ever in the history of baseball was going to make that throw and get steer out at home plate. So it was a foregone conclusion. Once the ball left Senzel's bat and you just see the elation on Nick Senzel's face. I mean, you saw it whenever he hit the walk-off home run a couple of weeks ago, you see it with this walk-off walk-off sack fly. He knows. He understands the perception of him. He understands how far down the proverbial ladder that he was on this Reds roster and this Reds organization and all of this like performance that we've seen so far. Yes, we do want to see more of it before we get really ahead of ourselves here, but it's a bit of catharsis for him. And I'm, I'm happy to see it for him personally, just as an individual. Well, you know, I've never stopped rooting for him. You know, what I said at the beginning of this season was I wasn't going to count on him, but I was going to root for him. And I am yeah. so happy to see what he's doing right now and back on the infield, back playing third base. You know, I, I'm really, really, truly am uh, happy for what he's been able to do thus far. Now, listen, Jeff, a lot of times you and I get accused of just spinning sunshine and rainbows around here and never talking about the bad stuff. So I want to yeah, take a minute. People were not happy on our pitching take there the other yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. 
but you know, I want to take a second because I think it is time to point out uh, something that's been concerning me and I've been sitting on it waiting until we had a big enough sample size before I was really to, ready to call out a player. And I think we have a big enough sample size now. You know, I think Jeff that it's time to stop playing Will Myers every day. In the last 15 games, he has a slash line of 152, 216, 239. During that span, seven hits, 19 strikeouts, only four walks and one home run. That is not what he was brought in here to do. He was brought in to be a force in the corner outfield, playing a majority of his games at Great American Ballpark. He is not delivered. I think if this is the guy that he's going to be, I'm about out of patience. Uh, when TJ Friedel returns, Jeff, I think that that should be the move. It should be Friedel. Yeah. For Myers and Myers can be a bench guy. I don't imagine they'll cut him, but I think Friedel should get the majority of Myers playing time. That'll be a discussion that we have a little bit later on this week too, is what happens when TJ Friedel returns. What's the lineup look like there at the top? Because he was hitting pretty well at that two spot and yeah, Matt McClain's up there too. But um, when it comes to that, yeah, Friedel and I think Fraley deserves everyday playing time. We need to know if this guy can hit lefties because we know he can hit righties. And when it comes to Will Myers, like the results are bad. And there's a lot of people that always say, well, early season results are a little bit of a red herring both ways, whether they're really bad or really good. I, I see him play. I, I see him with my eyes. He doesn't, he's got this weird batter stance that leaves the, the entire uh, right side of the, the opposite side of home plate from him completely exposed. Like there can be a breaking pitch out there and he will never touch it because he is, he's, you know, angled away. He's got that open stance and he's standing far into the batter's box. Like not, not close to the plate, but away from the plate. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I know that there's been a couple of games where we've seen him tweak it a little bit, step closer to home plate and either draw a walk or get a single or something like that. But Steve, of the players that have had like multiple at bats on this team, I don't think anyone has a lower slugging percentage than Will Myers. And that has not been his career. That has not been who he has, uh, who he has been during his time in major league baseball. And he's just been absolutely abysmal for the reds so far to this point. And I don't see how it changes because what I see him doing each and every day is the same exact thing he did the day before when he went over. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and look, the, waiting for TJ Friedel is one option, Jeff. Uh, that's the, the simplest one that comes to my mind. And we talk about, you know, multiple roster moves to make things happen. A lot of times the Reds just try and take the easiest course, the path of least resistance. But there's something they could do right now. They could do it today and implement it tomorrow. And that's call up CES, play him yeah. at first base, and move Spencer Steer to the corner outfield and just let it ride. That could yeah. happen tomorrow. I think, I, I I think that works. Yeah, that I think that works now. That doesn't work in the future, theoretically, if you give Steer some time in AAA or spring training at the corner outfield spot. I think he could do that now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so here's where I, I come away with this. Uh, some of the bats are heating up, Jeff, and the Reds, if they're serious about being better offensively, it's time to let the kids play. Yes, it's time. It's it's time. You know, yesterday, Jeff, I told you who was reliable as far as the arms in the Reds bullpen goes. And clearly, David Bell was listening and he took it to heart because he used everyone on my list that was available in last night's win against the Cardinals. We're going to we're going to talk about a tremendous bullpen performance against the Cardinals coming up 
here in just a minute. But before I get into that, let's talk about one of the sponsors of today's podcast, and that is So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transforming fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 Major League Baseball teams. Unlike other fantasy baseball platforms, So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying, selling, and competing with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. So rare MLB game weeks happen twice weekly and span three to four days per cycle. At the end of the game week, so rare MLB managers who rank at or near the top of their leaderboards win a variety of rewards, which can include so rare scarcity cards, game tickets, merchandise, signed jerseys, and even VIP experiences like meeting Major League Baseball stars. Prizes may vary depending on the competition. So head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled SoRare, S-O-R-A-R-E.com slash LockedOn to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. The Reds look to make it two in a row against the hated Cardinals with Graham Ashcraft taking the mound against Adam Wainwright. Yes, that Adam Wainwright is still pitching. Uh, First pitch in tomorrow's game or today's game actually is at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time and you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Reds your first listen every day. Everydayers on tomorrow's show, did the Reds make it two in a row? Well, we're going to tell you, and we'll break it all down for you on tomorrow's Locked on Reds. All right, Jeff, it was a fantastic night from the bullpen. Uh, The Reds did some things. The arms did exactly what I kind of predicted from them uh, following a start from Brandon Williamson. Now, look, we all got really excited when Brandon Williamson made that debut out in Denver and pitched really well. Uh, But we cautioned it. We said then even that he was going to have some swings. He wasn't always going to be that guy, but we wanted to see him get more opportunities and we wanted to see him develop. Uh, We've talked about his uh, strikeout to walk ratios and that being the key for his success at the big league level. Brandon Williamson last night, Jeff, in four and a third inning pitched, he allowed three earned runs on four hits. But here's the problem. He walked four and only struck out three. Yeah, and he, excuse me, he had some things to say about that. The high walk number that he showed, it was something that we talked a lot about in his AAA performances. And this is what Brandon Williamson said. I had to say about those walks. I feel like I had to press a little bit. Um, it didn't come as easy tonight. I really had to grind for every out. Um, and I think just wearing on that every at bat uh, was really the difference for me. You know, I think most of the walks tonight were competitive. Uh, and if you're throwing competitive pitches and you walk a guy, it's up, that's, that, that happens. Um, four times in a game is unacceptable. But um, I thought that I thought they were pretty competitive still. Here's the thing on Williamson, because I watched him and I really feel like there are a lot of good things about his game. He does a great job of moving all of his pitches around the zone and keeping them, you know, 
not over the middle of the plate, something that we've seen Hunter Green get in trouble with a lot, something that we've seen multiple pitchers kind of leave some ducks out over the plate, and then they just get blasted for dongs, and then all of a sudden you're down by two or three or four. So when it comes to the way that Brandon Williamson pitches, he is going to be kind of like what we talk about with Graham Ashcraft here in a few minutes, and that, okay, if you do walk some guys, you got to be able to limit the damage, maybe get a ground ball, get a double play, things like that. And what he was not doing on Monday night was he, every single at bat that he was having, he went long. It felt like he was going full count with a lot of guys. I, it felt like I was watching Tyler Malley pitch again. Like you remember Tyler Malley, he, he was pretty good at strikeouts, but it usually would take eight or nine pitches in a bat to get there. So I, I feel like when it comes to Brandon Williamson, this is obviously just start number two of his major league career. So there's lots to work on there, but I really feel like there's a good base. It's just, it's going to come with, Oh boy, there's a lot of walks in that package. And and I want to say this about that start. Also, Jeff, we're talking about four and a thirds inning pitched. Uh, he only allowed three earned runs. The fourth run was yeah. an unearned run off of an error. So three earned runs, you know, he got into the fifth, he got in some trouble and the Reds lineup, you know, bailed things out, kept things moving, but that's not that bad of, you know, three earned runs from your number five guy, basically right. in your rotation, making his second ever big league start. That's okay. That's I'll acceptable. Take that all that. I, I will take that. And as long as he continues to build upon that and continues to work on things, uh, I think he's going to be just fine. You know, this is what I said all along, why I wanted him up here already. I want him working directly with Derek Johnson and let's let Derek Johnson earn some of those big dollars. He got paid when his contract got renewed because right. he's the pitching guru. Right. And, and we've been called out in the comment sections a couple of times. I don't know if you've seen this, but everyone keeps asking us, why aren't you talking about Derek Johnson? Well, I'm talking about him now. This is why he's making the, money he's making give him these young guys not retreads that you signed off the waiver wire and ask him to pitch two days later give him these young guys and see what he can do with them that's what i'm looking at now so Derek johnson we're watching you now and and, and for every you know silvino bracho or for every luis sessa in the starting rotation or connor overton or something like that that people want to give you know negative marks to Derek johnson there's ian jabot and there's Buck Farmer. And there's these guys that they were casts off as well from other organizations. And they came here and they've actually pitched well. I mean, Ian Jabot, and I think we I think we downplayed a little bit because he came in after Alexis Diaz, and Alexis Diaz just had the the gutty, gritty, amazing clutch performance that of the night for Monday night. But Ian Jabot came in the tenth inning with the ghost runner on second base and didn't allow a run. He was a guy that the other day we, we criticized David Bell for bringing him in in that same situation against mm -hmm. the Yankees. But this time he comes through against the hated Cardinals. So we got to give him some credit because if we're going to give him lumps, we got to give him his flowers too. No, absolutely. And let's give a bunch of these guys credit, Jeff, because, you know, we put this list out yesterday of the guys we thought were reliable and, and here they go. Buck Farmer pitched one and two thirds innings, lowering his ERA to three. Lucas yeah. Sims clean inning struck out three. Now it wasn't all good. Again, we're not going to just pitch rainbows and kittens around here. Alex Young came in and had a, a rare bad outing for him. Uh, he allowed two runs uh, or two hits and in a third of an inning. So 
allowing a run. So it wasn't all great, but that's where your guy came in, right? Uh, you talk about Alexis Diaz with a gritty one and two third inning performance, no hits, and he struck out three. But I want to ask you this because we've seen him now issue some walks in bunches. Uh, he walked three back. He, he walked three guys on May 13th in Miami and he walked three again tonight. Are you concerned about that? I mean, it's not happening every game, but when he's walking guys, he's walking them in bunches. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. And it's interesting because David Bell mentioned after the game, he's just like, he pitched that well and he didn't have his best stuff. And I think that when Alexis Diaz misses, he misses out of the zone. He misses where he's not going to get hurt. And that is the mark of an amazing closer. Like you remember early on in Aroldis Chapman's career, when he was missing, he was walking everybody or he was giving up a thousand home runs. Like it was, it was either, you know, in the other batter's box or right down the middle. Alexis Diaz, for his credit, at least keeps it in the other batter's box. Like he doesn't throw it down the middle and give guys easy hits and easy homers. I, I really feel like we are, we are seeing the guy that can be the anchor of this bullpen for many years. And I would love it. Like, I, I don't think that he is high up on the priority list to lock down right now. Cause they have so many more years of control of him right now, but he is a guy that I would love to see for a long-term contract type situation to lock him in Cincinnati and be the guy here because he is proving night in and night out, whether he's coming in and save situations or like on Monday night when the game was tied and he just had to make sure and keep it tied, he can do that. And he's doing it for multiple innings now. Now, you know, again, we're not all sunshine, rainbows and kittens today. A little bit worried about what this means for the rest of the series. There's three more games here. And I don't know that I want Alexis Diaz pitching more than one of those games after having thrown as many pitches as he did on Monday night. But when it comes to this performance, it's just more of the same. Even when he doesn't have his best stuff and he's given up those walks, he is still dominating hitters and nobody's getting anything on the scoreboard against him. You know, I would think, and I'm glad you mentioned that about the usage for the rest of the series. I would imagine that Alexis Diaz is unavailable for tonight's game. And I would probably venture to say that Buck Farmer is also unavailable mm -hmm. for tonight's game. So I think you're looking at the possibility of Lucas Sims on the back end. And Herget didn't pitch uh, last night because he pitched a lot the night before. And he's done really well. You know, he's got a sub two ERA. So I think he's your middle innings guy, uh, hopefully, to get to. Uh, Lucas Sims to, to wrap things up if the situation presents itself. So I think they're okay. If they can get through tomorrow's start with Ashcraft using just a couple of those guys out of the bullpen, well, then everybody that then pitched tonight minus Lucas Sims would be available for the third game of the series. And I'm okay with that. But if you've been paying attention, this is the pitching that we have been seeing over the last week or so. It's just, they finally get some run support on a night and we see what happens. They get the dub. But you know, Steve, you mentioned Graham Ashcraft. Why has he struggled so much recently? We'll give you a big reason as to why coming up next. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors here today, and that is Game Time. Game Time is the absolute best app to have on your phone for last second tickets. They have the Game Time guarantee, which means if you find tickets in your section in your row, 
for cheaper on a different app, they will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are. And when I say confident, I mean, I went up to Chicago and I saw a White Sox game and I sat in the club section for $25 a ticket. They got some great prices on the game time app. You got to check them out today because they're probably going to have some good prices for this Reds Cardinal series. Don't know if you saw pretty good seats still available. Uh, but when it comes to those pretty good seats available, game time's going to have you covered. Plus, if you want to go to other events like maybe concerts or comedy acts or even theater stuff over at the Aronoff Center, game time has you covered. Check them out today. Download the game time app and uh, create an account. Enter the promo code locked on MOE and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. So you get the lowest price guaranteed and you get $20 off. That's locked on MLB for $20 off. Terms apply. Uh, make sure you create your account on game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Coming up tonight, Reds and Cardinals getting going at 6.40 p.m. Eastern time. Use your game time app and get to that game because the Reds, um, they actually liked seeing Adam Wainwright last year, Steve. Uh, 14 runs in 17 innings against the 965-year-old pitcher. And hopefully today will be more of the same. And you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Uh, just search Reds on the SXM app and you can follow us on all platforms including on youtube and make sure you're following us on twitter in between episodes you can follow steve at s offenbaker with two f's you can follow me at jeff Carr with three f's and you can follow the show at locked on reds all right steve uh, here recently he started off so dominant and i think this is why we tend to, you know, crane our necks a little bit whenever we look at these recent starts for Graham Ashcraft and worry. But I think that, you know, you could probably say, well, one of those was at Coors. So maybe throw that out because Coors is Coors. Everybody pitches bad there. Um, I do in my fantasy baseball league, I have Sandy Alcantara pitching at Coors this week, and I really need him to not get sucked in by that. But it happens to the best of them. And Graham Ashcraft was no uh, exception. The thing of it is, though, I've noticed something about how he's pitched this year, and I can boil his struggles down to the fact that his third pitch just, ha just has not been working for him. His sinker, you know, he's got the cutter, the slider, and the sinker. According to StatCast, that's kind of how they delineate the three pitches that he throws. His sinker has a batting average against of 620. And the expected batting average against his, his sinker? is 620. He's not getting unlucky. Like I, I it's something he's got to fix. And that's something that I, I want to see him fix because these last couple of starts have not been indicative of how he began this season. Well, you know, we talked about this a lot last year with Hunter green, right? That he needed to get a third pitch that was reliable. Yeah. And Graham Ashcraft, I think, uh, is, is weaving in and out of having a feel for things. You know, that start, you talk about that start at Coors Field. Listen, that start was phenomenal right up until the point that it wasn't. Right. Uh, first, <laughs> if you watched just the first four innings of that game and, and walked away and you hear us talking about a terrible start, you would be like, what are you talking about? Because he was cruising. I really thought he was going to throw a complete game. He was absolutely dealing. And suddenly it looked like he simply lost the feel for the ball. And we've heard some of the other pitchers talk about that this year. Uh, losing a feel for the ball. And I wonder if this is part of the 
uh, repercussions of the pitch clock and the pitchers working so fast and not being able to slow things down and rest between grips on the ball. You know, um, we've been seeing some stuff on Twitter the last couple days talking about pitcher injuries and the pitch clock and, you know, how the pitchers are trying to adapt as they go. And I, I really, truly wonder if that's part of this as he gets going uh, and he doesn't have the ability to pace himself if that's why we're seeing him lose a feel for his third pitch more often than he did last year. Uh, I don't have anything data-wise to back that up. I'm just kind of speculating and wondering out loud. Well, and, you know, if he needs help with grip on his pitches, maybe he should contact the Yankees' Clark Schmidt. I know he uh, has some theories as to how he can help him out with that. But when I look at the way that Graham Ashcraft has pitched so far this season, there's a couple of different areas that I look at that I'm like, I, I, I need to see him improve because – so far this year, he's actually slightly improved his strikeout percentage rate. Now, it's not great. It's still pretty low. And if you look on like StatCast and things like that, we always talk about percentile rankings from StatCast. And there's two colors. There's red and there's blue. Red, good. Blue, bad. Red, good, because, well, we're the Reds. But that's actually for every player. So it's not just the Reds. I just, you know. There's a lot of blue on that chart, Jeffrey. It's a lot of blue on on um, on uh, Graham Ashcraft's chart, which is a little bit concerning. And one of the biggest things that I point to is the fact that his walk rate is actually up 3% so far this year. I mean, we're talking about a difference of 6% to almost 10% this season. And that is something that has absolutely got to change. I don't know. And we talked about it early on, like he has, he somehow limited the damage from all of those walks. Walks will haunt. And whether that's in one game or whether that's over multiple games and it's just something that kind of creeps up on you, I think eventually during the year, you got to stop walking dudes. And whatever it is that he's doing, if he's trying to press and get his strikeout rate up, then maybe he's got to stop doing that because he's just not pitching as well as he did in the beginning of this season. You know, I think that we're both hitting on some similar points, whether we're talking about the hitters or the pitchers right now. There's enough season behind us now. We've moved past the 25% mark of the season. We, we're, we're already into the second quarter here. And it's time. That's enough sample size for us to start making some evaluations uh, with the starting pitchers. I'm a little bit more lenient because, you know, it's cold that first month. They build into things. They, they play every fifth game. Uh, I'm a little bit more lenient than I am with the hitters. But uh, the pitchers are also running out of time. I think once we hit June 1st, you know, there's enough to look at from the hitters and the pitchers to be able to make some real informed decisions. And I'm not quite ready to push a panic button on Graham Ashcraft yet. I'm not ready to push a panic button on Hunter Green. I'll be glad to get Nick Lodolo back. But once we get into June, uh, it's time to make some hard evaluations. And uh, these pitchers need to start making some corrections uh, in order to improve their numbers. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's been our biggest storyline for this year coming into this season was how can the big three take their step forward and that's where we're a little bit concerned I I liked Hunter Green's last start still a few warts that he's got to work out but I liked what I saw from him but when it comes to Graham Ashcraft and things like that how do they take that step forward if you look at his stats right now they're very similar to what his stats were last season and that's all well and good but we want to see progress we want to see improvement and that is where the concern starts to creep in for me a little bit with Graham Ashcraft. Now he can, 
he'd go out there and pitch, you know, six innings tonight, a quality start, something like that, and, and, and keep the walks, you know, to a minimum. And then we'll be, t- you know, singing his praises tomorrow. So there, there's something about what we've seen here recently that I don't want to see continue tonight against the Cardinals lineup that, I mean, if you watch him against Brandon Williamson, these guys don't have quick at bats. They never have. I mean, there's never been a game where I've watched the Reds face the Cardinals and say, boy, the Cardinals really got somewhere to be at the end of this game, don't they? Like, they're always taking long at bats against our guys. So so what Graham Ashcraft can do tonight against the lineup that has always been very patient, I think is going to be key for me in seeing, you know, how does he begin to take that step forward this year? And that is probably where we will wrap it up for today. But before we get out of here, don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of Locked On Reds. Thank you so much for always making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on the show tomorrow. Will the Reds be able to make it two in a row against the hated Cardinals. And if you're in the discord chat, I actually predicted a series split. So maybe they could get that done tonight. I'd love to see that. Uh, that's, that's going to happen here. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to break down what happens in game two of this series, but for now, thank you so much for checking out lockdown rides. Make sure that you're following us on your favorite podcasting app and you're subscribed here on YouTube. The Reds minor leagues are just absolutely on fire and the Reds aren't the only team with minor league baseball teams. So you need to check out lockdown MLB prospects because Lindsay has you covered for every single minor league team out there. The lockdown MLB prospects is just like lockdown Reds. We're part of the lockdown podcast network, your team every single day. And Steve, what can folks expect from you and me? Well, you and me are going to continue to be dialed in on these statistics. We're going to be dialed in on these games. We're going to be watching the transactions and keep our ears to the ground, listening for the rumors. We're going to gather all that information up and bring it back right here to keep everyone locked on Reds every single day. Did Adam Wainwright start a game against the Big Red Machine? I think it was actually in the 1940s. <laughs>